welcome to ICU, a podcast where we advocate that compassion and connection save lives. They also make life pretty cool. I'm your host, Julie Lee. ICU, let's be friends. Hey, how the heck are ya? Welcome to ICU. This is episode 24, It's a Big Deal, Losing My Son to SIDS. Holy cow, it's been a crazy week. First of all, sorry about my voice. I'm a little raspy. I woke up with just that icky feeling in my throat. And so sorry if I sound a little man-ish. But I've had so much, just crazy amounts of positive feedback from our last episode. It's been our most popular episode yet. And I'm sure part of that is because Stacey Harkey from Studio C was our guest. But I think even more so, it's because of the message that people are needing to hear, the love and compassion that he extends to everybody, no matter your sexuality, your race, anybody, we all need each other. And I feel like he did a really great job of describing that kind of love that he shoots for in his life and that we should all be shooting for. Stacy's told me that he has received hundreds of messages from people. So that shows me that talking about this stuff, it's causing connection. And that makes me really excited that these conversations are getting started. One of my favorite things I got back as feedback from the episode was from my friend. She's married and she has three kids of her own and she could not stop talking about how much she loved Stacy's voice. She was just like, that voice, I could just listen to that all day. I love that voice. It was so attractive. (laughs) So I told him about it and anyways, he loved that. He thought that was pretty funny. I think that made his day. As you send me positive feedback about that and leaving reviews and stuff, I'll continue to send those on to him because I know that means a lot to him. And if you didn't catch that episode, uh, Stacy talked about being gay as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The review for this week is entitled Never Stop and it's from Rach Org. I can't get enough of this podcast. I love the messages that are shared every week. I so appreciate how real and honest Julie is. The podcast has helped remind me that I'm not the only one who is dealing with trials and that there's a way to endure trials with all capitals joy. I feel like I'm more open-minded and see others with more compassion. And it's a huge thanks to this podcast. Never stop. Thank you for writing that. That makes me want to, like you said, never stop. Uh, Especially that line where you say you feel like you're more open-minded and you see others with more compassion. That's huge. That's huge. If we could just all see each other as just needing that love, that connection, and that compassion, I think that amazing things can happen in this world. And I see that change in people around me all the time. And I'd like to think (laughs) some of that is from my podcast, but I know it's been started by so many other great people before me. And I'm just grateful to take a small part in the work of that. As always, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review so I can feature you. And I'll talk to you a little bit about how you can help support the podcast at the end. Also, stick around for the end because this is our second podcast that I have a blooper reel. And once you hear just a little from our guests, you'll understand why we needed a blooper reel for this one. He is so funny. I I don't know anybody like David Wetzel, someone that can like make me cry because he's so deep and intuitive, but also can make me cry because I'm going to pee my pants because he makes me laugh because he's just so out there and crazy and sure of himself. And I just love that about him. He's so awesome. Without further ado, let's go to our interview with David Wetzel. All right. I am pumped to be here with David Wetzel. Hi, David. Hey, what's up? I'm so glad you're on the podcast. Happy to be here. Yeah. Okay. So how do we know each other? Oh, Julie was my seminary student, like probably, probably a dozen years ago back at Springville (laughs) High School. (laughs) And by the way, for those of you that can't see me, which is everybody, I am wearing a Springville Red Devils t-shirt right now. He legitimately is. (laughs) (laughs) Just for the podcast. Yeah. He's crazy. 
He drugged me across my carpet floor by my ankle just a minute ago to try and pump me up for this podcast. I don't have any recollection of that. Here's what I do remember. Like, my big concern with Julie's listenership is they don't really know her. They've never seen her. But let me just tell you, when she was like 17 years old and in my class, I'm not kidding. She literally sat in the front row in the middle chair and just gobbled up everything I talked. (laughs) And I don't know if it's because she's an amazing student or because everything I was saying was worth writing down, but she just gobbled it up. (laughs) (laughs) She's really, she was a pleasure to teach and I just want the whole world to know that. I'm a good student. Oh yeah. Thank Thank you. But you don't teach seminary anymore. What do you do? I'm a master trainer with a company called Vital Smarts. And I'm training at a corporate level, uh, trying to impact lives and traveling all across the United States, sometimes Canada, having a great time. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Honestly, like whatever, whatever my hobbies are, like I'm married, I have uh, one wife and five kids (laughs) and uh, I love mountain biking. I've always loved speaking and teaching, but who cares about that? I think the, the main thing that I always like people to know about me when I'm teaching or training is... I'm just a fellow human being shoulder to shoulder in the trenches of life with them. That's the main thing. I really like that a lot. I invited you on the podcast today, first of all, because you told me you listened to the podcast. You reached out to me. I love your podcast. Thank you. Uh, You're going to love it more after you hear your episode. So (laughs) I've asked you to share today your experience with losing your son. Can you start by telling listeners that experience? Sure. We have five children. The fifth one is our boy that we lost. Our oldest is currently 17 years old. Our next, Isaac, is 15. Junior is 13. Maria is 10. And Jacob would be eight years old this year. We lost him in 2010, and he was only four months old. We lost him to SIDS, Sudden Infant Death Syndrome, which is kind of a non-diagnosis. Nobody's sure why SIDS happened, but it was really unexpected like he was healthy he was happy he was part of our family he was there and then and then he wasn't what was it like that day the days after even now all these years later it's always a hard experience thinking about those moments when i received news that jacob had died maybe in some ways we are still processing maybe it's not just a event but it becomes a whole different life path and something that you carry with you in the moment it was unexpected and it was a shock and our our world came crashing down a little bit. I was working on my master's degree. I was on BYU campus. I was in a nook and cranny working on my thesis. And apparently there were colleagues uh, on campus combing the campus trying to find me. They wouldn't have found me where I was. Campus police were also trying to find me, but of course I was in a little little nook. And finally, they contacted me. I didn't have a cell phone, so they couldn't call me. When I got the email to call my bishop, I walked over into the next room over and borrowed one from some students, and I made the call. I called my bishop. He was brief and to the point, which was helpful. And my, my whole world came came crashing down. And I remember when the phone call was over, walking back into that room and handing them their phone back and not telling them what had just happened. But I wished I would have, just so that they were aware there was somebody that was in in a great deal of pain and whose world was crashing down around them. My reason for that was really the reason for this podcast. I wanted people to be aware that sometimes people 
are in a lot of pain and their world is crashing down around them. From there, I drove down to the Payson Hospital. I remember that drive vividly. I remember all the thoughts and the feelings and the prayers and the questions and the guilt and the issues and the worries and the one looming issue, how am I going to help Tara, my wife, through this? I remember getting to the hospital. My state president was there and a couple of dear colleagues were there, seminary teachers. Then I remember entering the hospital room where my wife was holding my boy and we said goodbye but it was already gone we entered a an entirely new reality i don't know when julie your listeners will hear this and i don't know who will listen to it but i'm thinking of a couple of different audiences and one of them are the people who have lost loved ones and if it's all right i'd like to speak to you directly for a moment and just say i see you I'm sorry. I don't know when you lost your loved one. I don't know when you're listening to this podcast. My son Jacob is buried in the Spanish Fork Cemetery, and I remember vividly his was the last tombstone in a row in what they call Babyland in the Spanish Fork Cemetery. There were only four in that row, and he was the last one. And I looked down that row of grass, and I just cried because I knew that he wouldn't be the last. And I was in so much pain and I didn't want anybody else to go through that. And I saw you then and I see you now and I'm sorry. What I hope is that maybe some things that Julie and I talk about on this podcast can help you. And I would offer a huge disclaimer to say I'm definitely not setting myself up as an expert. Just a fellow human being shoulder to shoulder in the trenches of life. And you're totally free to reject anything I say because I could be wrong about anything. Thank you. First of all, thank you for being willing to share. Yeah. Were there people in your life that really saw you during that time after the tragedy of your son that um, you talked about colleagues showing up at the hospital that did those kind of things that either just showing you compassion or connecting with you, whether or not it was comfortable for them. Sometimes it's uncomfortable for people to show up in really traumatic situations because we always hear the same thing. I don't know what to say. Yeah. But I firmly believe, and part of this podcast is that you just, you show up and you try. Can you talk about yeah. people there were that did that for you? Yeah, and if it's all right, I would also like to say that there's another group of people that I'd like to speak to, and it's that group that Julie brings in right now. That group of people who are in a supportive role, who are trying to show compassion, whose hearts are aching and hurting for somebody who is undergoing personal tragedy. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one and maybe it's something else, but how do you support them? And I do think that I could help specifically for those of you who are in the role of supporting somebody who has lost a loved one. So let's talk about that. To answer your question. Yeah. um, Yeah. There were a lot of people that showed up uh, and so many more people that that didn't show up that we were aware of because of the the dynamic that you described. What do I do? What do I say? What if I say the wrong thing? And the scary thing is, I think you actually can say the wrong thing. First of all, let me say that uh, my wife and I were really blessed to be part of a community, more than one community, actually, the Spanish Fork, Springville, Mapleton community. And a lot of people from those communities reached out to us and saw us and sat with us in our time of need. The mother of some former students, should I name her name? Go for it. Okay, this is the mother of Bree and Haley and Emma Harlan came to visit Haley and 
Sister Harlan came to visit. She said that uh, one really insensitive thing that somebody said to her when she lost her son, Neil, somebody came over and was grieving with her. <laughs> the lady said this. I just lost my dog a couple of weeks ago. This must be so much harder. <laughs> and the Harlins were able to laugh about that, but we were also able to acknowledge, yeah, sometimes people do say really dumb things. There are a couple things that are yeah. pretty stupid to say. I'm just going to offer you, offer offer some coaching if that's all right. I love it. Here's, here's a tip. I would say gauge your relationship with the person. And if you weren't really close with them before, I don't think there's a need to pretend like you're really close now. You can offer support and love with whatever relationship you have for them, even if it's somebody you just barely met on a train and you found out they lost somebody, you can be with them, you can hug them, and you, can, you don't have to say we're best friends and we know each other's life history, but you can say, I see you and I'm with you right now and I feel you. If you're worried about being intrusive, here's a tip. A card is never intrusive. Hmm, I like that. Yeah. I would also say that hugs are okay. Even if you don't know somebody really well, a hug is okay. I've hugged a lot of strangers. You hugged a lot of strangers. I think you have. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's maybe okay to ask permission to with today's climate. It's okay to say, I'm feeling like I want to hug you. Is that okay? But in general, I'd say hugs are pretty safe. Here's something that will freak people out. I'm going <laughs> to share. I'm going to share part of our experience that will that will freak people out. But I mean it to be instructive, not intimidating. My wife is a very private person, but she's a woman, and so a lot of her friends are women. Their instinctive reaction was to rush to Tara and be with her and let her have a space to talk. She didn't want that. She she actually needed space. Uh, from people. She's a private person. She hurt some people in the process of saying, I just need space. There were some hurt feelings. Although everybody had good intentions, she didn't want to talk. That wasn't her way of processing. She needed space. Ironically, I needed company and I needed people to talk to. I hated being alone. It would have been helpful if I could have been with people every day. I remember vividly asking one of my friends months after my son died, I, I just said, hey, where were you when I needed you? And his, his response was, I just assumed you needed space. So that's what I gave you. So the irony is my wife needed space and that's not what she got. And I needed people and that's not what I got. The instruction is, I think it's good to not only gauge your relationship with the person, but also gauge the kind of person that they are. And you maybe don't have to guess. You can maybe just ask just them. Just ask, yeah, right? Just ask. Just ask. Say, um, what do you need? I think I would have said, I think I, I would like some company right now. And I think my wife, well, I know my wife said, leave me alone, dang it. In her own, Which is good. In her own way. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a huge tip for people who are in a supportive role. Can I give you some practical tips? Yes. Okay, here's a practical tip. Always. One dear friend showed up and she said, I just barely heard that your son died and I didn't know what to do, but I came and I'm offering milk and cookies because that fixes everything, right? She said it with a smile and with tears in her eyes and her offering was sincere and it was received. Can I tell you what was even better than milk and cookies? It was a truckload of paper plates and paper cups. 
I'm just saying that way yes. that like we didn't have to do dishes. dishes. That's just like a, a little practical tip if you're in that uh, supporting role. Paper products. Paper products. Yes. Hire a maid for the family for a little while. Yes. Uh, just practical tips because like the lives are really, really just devastated. Uh, upside down, inside out. Hard to explain. Each day is blah. Each day you don't want to be there. Each day that doesn't make sense. I don't know. That's, that's maybe a practical tip. My sisters during their, their stuff with breast cancer, which is a completely different trial, but yeah, I did have a sister that someone hired a maid for her during chemo. Spot on. Spot on. Spot on. Amazing. And I think you're right. And I like your perspective because I think I am more prone to just show up on someone's doorstep because I am, I'm like you, I'm someone that needs people around me and I need, I need that. But I can see that everybody's not like that, but they still need something. And so you ask them, what do you need right now? What, what can I be proactive in doing? And maybe what I'm doing proactively is letting you know that I am here, but I am choosing to give you space right now because I love you. Yeah, that's great. Is that true? That's true. Ask and then... Don't just ignore, right? There's a difference between asking and giving space and ignoring. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, th- and there are some people who, over the course of our trials, uh, would give us space and, and then just check in and say, I'm giving you space, but just so you know... And then they would tell us about thoughts and prayers or writing our names in the temple or things that they did to show us that they were thinking about us, that they were with us. Uh, Sometimes even a text that says, thought about you today, I know I wasn't with you, but I cried for you. That's a big deal. You can give them space and still show that compassion and connection. Yeah, I love that. I don't think I have ever been able to explain that or thought about it that way. Thank you. You're welcome. A moment ago, I said, gauge your relationship with the person. I do remember vividly uh, a friend coming over that I had not seen for 20 years, but she came over in that time period. And it just, I don't know, it didn't work. Like, because we were trying to catch up and be happy because we saw each other, but she was trying to mourn and grieve with us at the same time. (laughs) And it just didn't quite work. Heart heart in the right place. And of course, uh, for all of these faux pas, there's a ton of forgiveness. If you mess up, if you're trying to show compassion to somebody and you mess up, I think they're pretty ready to forgive because they recognize that your intention was good. I want to say this, though. A lot of people reached out to us who had lost children, people who we had never met before. And in some cases, they were hesitant. They weren't even sure that they should approach us. But those people in particular were always special guests in our home because they had experienced this and they were still standing. That was super important, just to know that somebody had gone through that and they were okay and happy somehow, even though we we couldn't see how we could possibly get there from where we were at. If I may offer that gift to anybody who needs it, let me just say in the words of Elton John, I'm still standing, yeah, yeah, yeah. On my drive up today, Julie, I called my wife and I was like, hey, lady, what do you want me to tell Julie's people? And I know that you don't know my wife and I know she's not here, but she just said, tell them that life will never be the same. Life will be different, but it doesn't have to be a bad different. And I wish you could hear my my wife's voice saying that because she said it from a place of strength, not pain. And she said it from a, from a place of peace and happiness. I only know from my own perspective with my own trials, which have been different, but which have been very painful for me personally. For me, life has taken on a much more reverent feel. 
Is that kind of what you mean? A greater sacredness and reverence to it, or it's the decisions you make towards the way you look at your life? Julie, that's a really interesting word, that you would choose reverent. I think it's kind of a deep word. I remember kissing Jacob goodbye after he had already died. I remember kissing him at the Payson Hospital, and I remember kissing his cheeks in Spanish Fork Mortuary. I remember holding him and kissing him again after the viewing, right before the funeral. His cheeks were cold. Ever since then, not a night goes by that I don't sneak into my children's rooms at night after they are sleeping to kiss them on their cheeks, their warm cheeks. It's a reminder to me that every day is precious. Here's what I believe with all my heart. I really believe that not just with losing a loved one, but with going through pain and tragedy in general, that it actually opens the door to greater joys and greater experiences and a more and a depth and a vibrancy that you can experience in life that maybe you were not even able to experience before. And I'm wondering how to say this. My theory is that God is happy. We all assume that God is happy. How happy? Here's what I assume. I think that if God were laying down in a park under a tree, and since he's your dad, you walked up to him and you laid your head on his chest and just listened to whatever is in his bosom. I think he would hear a wellspring of happiness that constantly threatened to break out into laughter at any minute. A gurgling brook of laughter that constantly threatens to break out in laughter. That's what I think about God. And I also think that if you kept your head on that chest of his and looked into his eyes, that you would see that God houses a well of sorrow and that his tear vats are constantly brimming, threatening to spill over into tears at any moment as well. That's my theory. As you know, Julie, I wrote a poem to kind of process my path and my grief, and I have no intention to read the poem in its entirety because it's a long one. But can I read the stanzas that have to do with what I just said? Please do. It's an incredible poem. Just to tune your ear to it, listeners, each stanza has four lines. It's the first and the fourth line that rhyme, and the second and the third line that rhyme. I patterned it after a poem by Lord Tennyson called In Memoriam, and my poem has the same title. So here's here's some stanzas. Deep joy is not without deep pain. Those two foes are somehow kin. And while we would erase the yin, would we too forego the yang? With neither lived, there's only Eden. Innocent naivete, the color spectrum casting gray, a paradise I don't believe in. God's joy is an endless fountain, his sorrow an eternal well. No matter on what sphere we dwell, there are no valleys without mountains. As, as we go through trials, if we are paying the tuition without receiving the education, we're missing out. If we are experiencing the pain of life, all of the pain that life has to offer without experiencing the height and joy, we are truly missing out. I don't even know if we can experience exalted joy without experiencing congruous pain. I don't know if that's possible, but I do think that as we experience pain, it opens the door to greater joys than ever before. In our own family, for example, our motto has always been eternal family or bust. 
I love it. Yeah, it's kind of fun. That sounds like you. Eternal family or bust. Yeah. And all my children know what that means. And we talk about Jacob all the time. And uh, it's different. I mean, it's di- ever since Jacob died, we do look at each other in the eyes and we say, hey, you, let's toe the line. Let's help each other. Let's, uh, let's reach our family goals so that we can be together again. With Jacob. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. I wanted to echo what you said about when you feel more pain, you also are capable of feeling more joy. That is actually a statement that I had a therapist tell me in a really dark time that was the first piece of hope I'd felt in a really long time. I felt like there was this curtain behind me that I never knew existed. And I opened the curtain and I I went behind it for a little bit. And all of a sudden I realized there was all of this pain and this human suffering that I never knew existed. And I felt bad for people before that. But living in the suffering seemed like more than I could bear. And, And she talked about how it doesn't have to be just a bad thing and, and that there's a spectrum. And the further on one side you've been, the greater your capacity to be happy. And I think you just oh, yeah. said that so eloquently. And I just know for me, that was the first time when I felt hope in that maybe my life's going to be better than I even think it yeah. will, which is crazy to even think when you're in the state I was in. But I, I had that hope there. Yeah. Now you're talking about exciting stuff. It's really special. Yeah, it really has. I was a good dad before, but this has opened me up to love my kids and I just more. I'm going to take anything away from people who haven't lost a kid. I'm just letting you know my experience. Like if it's possible to love a kid more, yeah. I do. Yeah. And I'm comparing myself to my former self, not to, <laughs> to anybody else. You lot. Julie, I think we are like touching on some super exciting stuff here that we're like throwing the doors open to the possibility of joy, even to somebody who's in the middle of the deepest pain of their life. Another shout out to a song, Lady Antebellum, uh, when they sing, I'd rather hurt than feel nothing at all. And it's true. Like we don't want to stop hurting because that means we'd have to stop loving and we don't want to stop loving. Bring on the hurt. But with those same feelers, those same receptors that are registering pain, use those to register the joy. I do have a tip. I'm so grateful for a mama that came by, again, the, the mother of a student who had lost a child. And she just said, hey, I got to, here was my situation. And I learned that I could not play around with the what ifs because in my situation there were too many what ifs since then i've learned that there are what ifs whenever we lose a loved one especially the unexpected ones people play the it's such a temptation to play the what if game and to blame i want to say if you're going to play the what if game which would drive you mad play the what if game that garth brooks suggests what if tomorrow never comes if tomorrow never comes that one (laughs) play that game use your new feeling receptors to look around and say oh man i love these people that i'm with and just because i lost someone doesn't guarantee me that i'm not going to lose anybody else and what if i'm the one that people lose play that what if game if tomorrow never comes will they know how much i love them play that game and you can use your tragedy to say i love you more often to people to say, I see you. I think that's important and that's powerful. Putting it, I agree. Putting it in context. I agree. Yeah. And I, I think sometimes when you're in the middle of pain, people saying, you know, this is going to make you stronger and all that. Sometimes it can feel a little cliche and feel a little bit like it's just a saying on someone's fridge magnet or something like that. But I think there's truth to it. I think the key is having the reverence for the pain that you're going through and that it feels inhuman. It feels 
like no one could possibly have endured it before you. They did somehow. And so I really like how you just explained it so eloquently that you can be happier later. It obviously has come at a cost and and there's no, there's no denying that. Yeah. And that's okay. Like, it's all okay. It's all at once. It's all at the same time. And it's, it's hard and it's great. And it's, and it's yin yang. And it's yin yang. We don't always get to choose what pain we go through. But if you if you have to go through that pain and it wasn't your choice to go through that pain, at least cash in on the incredible things that can come as a result of that. Yeah. Can I touch on yes. a sensitive area? Yes. And, uh, and and you could totally take this out of the podcast. That's right. Of, yeah. Everything gets busted wide open on this podcast. It's all good. That's <laughs> Go good. Ahead. I wanted you. Uh, I wanted you to leave it in and record me saying, "Take this out of the podcast." Oh yeah, I will. <laughs> I said it for them, not for you. I was, I was playing them. Yeah. I'm playing you all. Okay. I'm playing you yeah. right now. That's right. <laughs> I'd like to talk about God for a second. I have a concern. I was talking with Bob Miller in his home recently, and I said, Bob, you know what's interesting? Even though the church is true, because the restoration took place in America, which was founded on Calvinism, we still hear Calvinistic points of views from our pulpits in our chapels. And then Bob said, yes, and let me give you an example of that. He has a deep, rich voice. And then I interrupted him, and I said... Everything happens for a reason. He, he lit up and he said, that's exactly what I was going to say. And then he shared a concern that sometimes people think that God is the great cause of everything. I think that's a mistake. That people sometimes think that God is to blame for all the bad that happens. In my mind, I know he's omnipotent, but I don't think that means he causes everything. And in my mind, I think he causes good things, not bad things. I would caution against putting the gun in God's hands. It's Janie that has a gun. Janie has a gun. Take that out. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Years before I lost my son, I met a man. I was his home teacher. I knocked on his door for the first time and I said, hey, yo, I'm your friendly neighbor, basically. Yeah. I, I I had a church assignment to be his friendly neighbor. And so we were talking, we were meeting. He didn't really participate in church. But he was open with me about his faith in God, and he said, me and God are not on good terms. And I said, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And if it's all right, I'd still like to be your friend. And he continued, God took something from me that was very precious. That freaked me out. I did not touch that one. I did not pry. I did not dig. I did not ask. But he told me anyway. (laughs) He said, God took my son from me. It cost this man his faith because... In his point of view, God had taken his son from him. I would like to suggest, and you can wrestle with it, you can, like, some people hate this, and maybe you should take it out of your podcast altogether, but uh, I'd like to suggest that God brings beauty from ashes to reference Isaiah, but that doesn't mean that he causes the ashes. Life is going to be hard. It's designed that way. And I think it's okay to have faith in a God that's going to bring beauty from ashes rather than blaming him for the ashes. What do you think? Yep, I would agree. I think that will help process grief and God at the same time. I would say that God is not the cause of everything, but I would say, and this is important, that he is the context of everything. I like that. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. It's it changes a huge everything. deal. It changes everything. It changes everything. God is the reality that circumscribes all realities. And so if you're ever in a place in your mind where God doesn't exist. You've just stepped outside of reality and you're living in a fiction. But 
it's impossible to wake up today or tomorrow or any other day into any kind of harsh reality. You think of whatever realities people have woken up to on planet Earth, the harshest things that have ever happened to any member of the human family on planet Earth. Everything happened within a context of God. That context matters. If he is, if he is a God who is omnipotent, omniloving, and brings beauty from ashes, that context matters a lot. Matters a lot. Interpret any tragedy in context of the God who brings beauty from ashes. Okay, we actually had to stop and start because a spider started crawling <laughs> on my laptop and we a minor freak out and then you lost it on the stairs. And anyways, it's a little traumatic, but we're back. I think that the temptation is to say, well, why does he intervene sometimes? Maybe he doesn't cause things, but sometimes he does intervene and sometimes it feels that he doesn't. And I think that a lot of people feel that. I mean, why, like you look at things, terrible things like the Holocaust happening and, and just terrible things that have happened to people. And you wonder, why did he intervene here? Why did I see this miracle here? And why didn't I see it here? And I think it's important to, to see people in that. What are your thoughts on that with, you know, because your son wasn't saved? Yeah, I think it says a ton about God's power and ability that he doesn't intervene. Because for me, it says, plant me in the worst situations. Bring me, God, into the darkest pit of human existence and let me show you what I can do, organically even. He's a little bit different. He is unexpected that way. I will I will confess on the air that I begged God to let Tara see Jacob after he died. I told God that Tara's a good woman and she deserves it and she needed that closure. To I, see that he was still there? Just to see him, just to see him. And she didn't get to, we didn't get that miracle. And heaven knows that like for me and for anybody else that is, lost loved ones. I would have brought him back if I found a genie's bottle and was given a wish. I'd be like, done. Bring Jacob back now. Yeah, God is saying, in a way, he's saying, take me into the hardest, darkest places that humans ever were. Plant me there and let me show you what happens. Let me show you what I can do. Nothing happens that's bigger than God. He can take care of it. Nothing phases him. He doesn't freak out. He's not like, oh no, do we have a plan B? Uh, nothing even really takes him to his limit. He's got it covered. For us, as we're going through those moments of crazy, crazy, crazy pain, if we could fast forward through those days, we certainly would. But something happens in those days if we let it. We become more sensitive. We talked about becoming more sensitive to joy and bliss. But we also, and this is important for your podcast, become more sensitive to other people. This is a big deal. My wife and I, as I mentioned, are really grateful for those people that reached out who had lost children. In your podcast with Gaino Lynn, you guys gave Mike White a shout out, so I am too. Uh, his dad spoke with me and the conversation was helpful. Him and his wife lost a kid. And anybody that had experienced that, we were all ears and it was really comforting. Every year at the Spanish Fork Cemetery, on December, I forget if it's 6th or 7th, there's a gathering for at the Angel Memorial uh, for people that have lost babies. And we don't always talk with everybody there. And the service is brief, but it's always wonderful to be there with people who have experienced that thing. I think one thing that I am trying to say is that if you have to go through the pain, and it wasn't your choice to go through the pain, it's okay to allow the pain to change you and make you more sensitive to other people. I don't think you have to worry about 
projecting your pain onto other people who are going through pain. If they're going through the pain that you've already been through, just give them a hug and say, I've been there. I love you. I see you. I feel you. And I know we're different. And I'm not saying that my path is your path, but I see you. That's a big deal. It's a huge deal. It's compassion right there. Yeah. What you go through can make you sensitive to both other people and to moments of joy. That's a big deal. You're not the same and you're not intended to be the same. No. And I guess I would say there's there's maybe one more good thing that I would that I would bring up, and that is that for any of us who have not yet arrived at our happy ending, and that includes me, I think it's a good thing to not have that happy ending yet. It gives us a happy ending to push toward. It's an interesting dynamic how I think most of us live in a state of dissonance or cacophony or lack of resolution not everything's perfect and not everything's right and there are loose ends and there are things that need resolved and i think that's helpful so that we can push toward our happy ending what does your happy ending look like i'd be curious to know for me what it looks like is essentially having my family together again all of my children, my living children, uh, together with me and my wife, and seeing my son Jacob in Tara's arms again, my wife. And none of us will be happy until Mama's happy again. I think of that moment often, and I think of it with fondness. It is my heart's deepest desire and deepest yearning to have that moment again when not only Jacob is back in Tara's arms, but when we are all together as a family again. We have precious few family pictures together and I'd like to take a couple more. Yeah, for sure. I think we did it. Yeah. David, thank you so much. It's so weird to call you David, I'm sorry. (laughs) But David, thank you so much for opening your heart and sharing with us today. Thanks for letting me. You're welcome, you're welcome. Open invitation. If uh, any of your listeners want to Facebook stalk me and shoot me a friend request, that's totally okay. I'm super open to talking human to human that door is always open and i can um in the show notes i can even put a link to your profile sweet cool oh man he's such a fun guy i love him i love having him just in my circle in my corner he's he's a great person and i know that he 100 percent means what he says that if you would like to reach out to him if you've lost a child or if you just are struggling in any way and would like to hear his perspective he as just a fellow human being trying to understand and love would be happy to respond to you. So I'll make sure to link his Facebook profile in my notes. If you do want to support the podcast, if you're loving it, thank you, first of all, for loving it. That's all you need to do first is love it. But if you're able to and want to help support it, please go buy some cute podcast apparel at the website, www.icupodcast.com. You can also buy Mary Kay at 25% off there. And then you can also just donate to the cost of the podcast. If you're like, hey, I don't want to try new makeup. I don't want to try new face wash. I I don't want more clothes or whatever. That's great. Maybe you're watching Tidying Up on Netflix. Oh my gosh, it's so good to watch it. I should get paid money just to talk about how much I love that show. Anyways, but if you don't want to do any of that and you would still like to donate to the cause, please go ahead and just, there's a donate button there at that page on the website, www.icpodcast.com and then just click support the podcast and you'll see all three of those options. Please stick around to enjoy some pretty silly but very real bloopers. Till next time, my name is Julie Lee and I see you. What's wrong? What's wrong? I just refer to you in the third person. Try not to move papers too oh, much. Oh, shoot. <laughs> help me out a little bit. What do you need help with? My, my thoughts are going in a thousand directions right now. Let me pick one. Hang on. Feel pain and things and...
What's that music group? Sing it. I'm not going to sing it. What if you put it in the podcast? You... It's a quarter after one. I'm a little Oh, broken. Lady Antebellum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lady Antebellum. There you go. And I think sometimes where I know for myself and others where we get... <gasps> There's a spider. <laughs> oh my gosh, kill it. Oh my gosh, kill the spider. We're not killing it. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh, you... oh, that's right. You're not into medicine. You probably also aren't into killing spiders. I'm going to use the bathroom. Here's the thing. Okay, will you just get that out of there? I really like spiders. Oh, you do? Oh, no. I hate it. Oh, my gosh. Please just take him out. Take him out. I have a problem. (laughs) What? Oh, what did you do? I lost him. Is the spider pregnant? I lost him. I lost the spider. Oh, my gosh. Do I sound creepy? (laughs) Um, No. I like like that you said... (laughs) Can we be safe? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>